Hi everybody, welcome to The Coco Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we've got a double dip in the greatness. <laughs> I think so. We've got Time Bandit and Thexter. Yes, yes. Now, have you seen the film Time Bandits? Is there a film? Yeah, with the little, the, the, the minis, the midgets, small people in it. Are you talking about Monty minions? Python. No, what? Like the Despicable no. Me guys? No, it's called Time Bandits. Is it with an S? Why I think it is Time Bandits with an S. You never seen that one, huh? It's kind of. Is it based on this game? No, 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 no. There's no. Uh, there's no uh, correlation. Let there. me ask you this: Is time travel the lamest trope in all of cinema? It's up there. It's absolutely. That's up there. when I when I you know when I turned off Avengers Endgame when they when it was a time travel movie. I've never that seen, was the end. I've never even seen that movie. It yet. took me an hour and a half to get there. Isn't it like two and a half hour movie? It's like three and a half. So hours. you watch half of it, and you're like, I'm done. Yeah. It was the worst. Listen, it was comic, the worst. Comic books are one of the prime offenders of comic books and sci-fi. Use the time travel gimmick to to the nines. Mm. I don't like it. And it's, yeah. It ruins tons of good shows. I saw. Yeah, it's very hard to pull. There's only. I'll tell you my two pet peeves: time travel, amnesia. That's another one. The worst. Yeah. Anytime there was a track episode, somebody gets hit on the head or something, I just turn it Were off. Were there any time travel things that you liked? Back to the Future Two. See, I didn't, I, I, I didn't like that one very much. I thought the first one was way better than the second one. I like Back to the Future too because it was the first time that I realized, like, if you actually go back into the past and you, you can affect things in the future. Yeah. And plus, I, I thought that like Future Biff was like super cool because he was like, he was, cool. he was a rich stud. I thought he was a dork. Everybody hated. Future Biff? Yeah. No, Future Biff was awesome. He lived in the the big Trump Towers. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen all of the second one. So oh my gosh! I, got, I thought the first was okay. And the, the the third one, the less sad about the better. There have been lots of good time travel bits though, right? Voyagers. That was a good show. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Uh, Voyagers. But they, it was Phineas Bogg and the kid. They went through time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Then you got your uh, Doctor Who, and I'm I mean the classic Doctor Who's by the way. Uh, that was a good show. Uh, then you've got your uh, let me see what else has been a good time travel show. Uh, let me think. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. I'll talk. I mean, a couple good Star Trek. The original Star Trek had a couple good time travel episodes. They were tolerable. Mm-hmm. You know, like the one where they all turned into kids. No, that's first of all no, and second of all no. I hate that in every show. <laughs> no, you hate to go in there. I said good. Can you think of any good ones? What about the one where the ship keeps blowing up and then he discovers the three pips on the? Is this? These are the next generation. Yeah, I said the original show. I didn't ever watch the original. Well, you, you're killing. It's me. mostly garbage, right? Yeah. There's gonna be a murder <laughs> on Coco Show today. It's gonna be you. And what about Groundhog Day? That was sort of. Like That's a, a great show. film. That's a great movie. Yeah. I grant that exception. I grant That's that. It. That's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, I, I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. Now, none of these have anything in common with this game. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but still, to, and, and this game does actually sort of use its gimmick. Yeah. Right? It and does. It does. Let's talk about it. And the game we're talking about is Time Bandit on the TRS-80 color computer, as you can imagine. Um, this was published by Computer Shack, which changed its name, I think, around 84 into Mitchtron, mm-hmm. which they were all over the place. Uh, this released in 83, written by Bill Dunleavy and Harry Lafner. 
Now this came out on a on a lot of stuff. Right. This uh, was ported to a lot of systems. In fact, me and Brent covered this on ARG. Uh, gosh, probably a year. How long has ARG been on? Has it been over a year? I can't remember. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's almost two years. Has it? And so we co- we covered this way back. Uh, but this was that on the uh, on the TRS eighty. In fact, it got its start on the TRS eighty Model One. Oh, really? Yeah. Then you've got, the, of course, there's the Coco version. You got the Amiga version, uh, the Atari ST, DOS, of course, the Dragon, which is basically a Coco. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got a lot of different versions of it there. Uh, this will run on anything, as far as I can tell, anything with thirty two K. And I think this was mostly distributed on on the Coco on cassette. They, I saw them talking about a five and a quarter inch floppy version, but again, much like a lot of Cocos, though, it's hard to get a lot of uh, get a lot of information on it. So I want to start this by the the fella that did this game wrote a poem about it. I love I love that. I want to hear it. And so I told Bud, I was like, I want to read this poem on the show. So uh, Harry Laffner uh, wrote a poem in the background of this show. Here it is on this game. Into all the confusion, the time bandit goes. Among the guardians, he finds only foes, for he takes the treasures that they wish to own and carries them off for reasons unknown. Well, it's like Keats. That's it's awesome. Great. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, personally, I think that's really neat. Uh, so, what do you got here? This is a this is a a, a one player throwdown. Now, the best way to describe Time Bandit is sort of like um, it's sort of like Gollity. With maybe you ever played a game? It's funny we actually talked about this game one time. You ever played a game called Dandy? No. Dandy is an old game. It's from what I've always heard, Dandy was actually the game that inspired um, that inspired Gauntlet. So this is a it's a it's a top down view of a large play field with lots of enemies that are attacking your guy. Right now, Dandy. This actually, believe it or not, this game. The production of this game predates the release of Gauntlet, so no one can say with a straight face that this is a Gauntlet clone, uh, because it's not. And it, it, it bare, at, at the bare minimum, it's a it's a dandy uh, homage, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but it's a uh, uh, it's 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 sort of its own game. So in this game, you are the Time Bandit, and you've got to go through and shut a, a whole variety of like portals. Uh, to seal up these various times. In, in, the, in the Coco, it's funny, in the advanced version of this, there's a ton of worlds. In the Coco version, you've got three basic worlds. You've got Western World, Space World, and Fantasy World, right? Which one would you go for, by the way, in real life? Space World, 100%. It wouldn't be like uh, Western World? Oh, you know? gosh, I hate the Old West. <laughs> Why? It's awful. But, I mean, that's lots of it's cowboy dust. stuff. There's all that sand. You get to ride a horse? All that sand it gets all over you. Not every, what are you talking about? Suddenly, like there was a whole desert in the cowboy days. They had four. It's the same world. No. You yeah. ever seen? Have you watched that show Westworld? This is this is, must be where they got the idea. Because mm. you got west, you got the Western world. You guys said fantasy world and space world, and it's just like Westworld the show. So when I say now in the game, you, you're a little guy on the screen. You can shoot what a, sort of look like missiles almost left and right. And you run around, and it, when it starts off, you're on this sort of like home screen. Mm-hmm. And in the homeland, you have to go, every time you start here, you have to go get a key, and then run to a locked, there's an there's a area that has a lock on it. You run through the lock, and you can choose where you want to go. Right. You can go to uh, Fantasy World, Western World, or Space World. Wait a minute. 
Yeah. You can choose where you want to go. Yeah, you can choose. Which you can go whichever one you want, anytime you want. It's I didn't. Right I don't remember ever choosing. I just remember appearing in a new world. No, you that. run through and you pick a world. There's no appearing. You just run through, and so you could pick which one you want. So you could. You don't have to like go nowhere. But like I like Space World because I always thought Space World was a little bit easier mm -hmm. than some of the other worlds. But of course, it, each of the worlds have multiple levels in them, and so and they sort of the mazes are a varying degree. But I mean. When you go to these different worlds, there's a different sort of tile set, right? Basically, even on the main screen, there's a different tile set. Like Fantasy World has this sort of like green brick, mm -hmm. and Westworld's kind of like this gray, and yet Space World's more spacey looking, kind of like almost like a diamondy looking. So you get that sort of tile set when you go to the world, and you also get a different variety of bad guys. Like in Cowboy World, for example, you get cowboys. Uh, running around, stuff like that, and then uh, Space World, you get some other kind of robotic stuff. So you get these different, you get these different creatures to fight when you go to the different worlds. Um, when you're in the worlds, what you're trying to do is basically get in them and get the keys to get out of them effectively. Yeah, I, I, always, I thought that that was rather strange that you you try really hard to get into a world just so you can try and get the key and get out. Well, maybe so, but what you're doing is. You're, you're sealing those portals, and you ha you can go into them. You can go to the same world like over and over until it, until you completely shut down. So I believe each. Stop me if I'm wrong here, but I think of the three worlds that each of them has like like seven different mazes in it. That sounds right to me. All right, and so uh, uh, as you, and what your the object of this game is to go through and shut all the mazes. Now you have uh, your gauntlet style creature uh, gates. <laughs> They're sprinkled all over the you place. Yeah, Brent, Brent mentioned something that, important that I forgot about, which is like one of the main things of the game. The reason Brent why you go in, important. yeah, the reason why you go into these worlds is to get the treasure. That's not the re the really that's not the reason. That's why I went in. I don't well, know why you went in. You're trying to seal these 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 portals are out of control. Listen, man, I'm here up. for the cash. <laughs> Listen, if you complete one portal sixteen times, it closes it, and you get a message. Now. I'll be honest with you. I played this on the authentic Coco. I didn't manage to do one 16 times. I tried. I couldn't get one done. So if, if you're emulating this uh, with save stage, you could probably do it. I found this game. Uh, I, you know, this was a game I, me and the Brent played a lot when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Right. I wish this game had multiplayer. It would be like so like Gauntlet does. That'd be a lot of fun. It doesn't. It just, it moves so fast and the screens are so small. I don't know. Like if you if you went to a new zone and your buddy didn't, how would they handle that? Well, I mean, I assume it's just like gone. They just go with you. Mm -hmm. um, in this game, you have a basically a health bar on the side, and it ranges from a hundred down. And when you get down into like the last ten, the screen goes wacky because that's the you're screwed screen. Mm -hmm. You know, and you go through and you and so when you when you're getting down to the end, you know it, and then yeah. when you die, the game's over. It's not the easiest game, is it? What did no. you now? You hadn't played this before, had you? Never. So, what were your initial thoughts when you fired this sucker up? And you played you. What, what were you using emulate this mess? Uh, no, yeah, I was using mess or uh -huh. something like this. Um, I was uh, stunned by this game. Stunned in a good way stunned or stunned in a way? good way? Oh, okay, great. Um, I loved playing. I love the, the. Okay, this game ticks all the buttons for me. Okay. Yeah. It's got a variety of environments. That the environments you can see all of the environments on your first playthrough. You know how many games do we play where all you see is one stage because you can't get past yeah, it. Yeah, you can go to any stage you want. Right. I love the fact that these stages are named. Yeah. You know, and as you traverse, the name changes. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's so. I know cool. you love that. I love it. 
I love the variety of the enemies. You know, all the enemies. I'm not quite sure what some of the enemies are, but they look cool. You yeah, know, they're different. You know, you yeah. get different enemies. I love the fact that the treasure all look different. It wasn't just like a gold coin that you pick up and you get treasure. It's like yeah. the treasure looks like crowns and junk. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all of that stuff was fantastic. So yes, those were my initial impressions. Both mentioned the the worlds have names they do. I'll go over some. I actually printed out. I think it has them all written down. So the space world, you got Enterprise, which Enterprise is actually my favorite level. Mm. It's funny. It's to be the first way. I think it looks cool. Plus, you know, I'm a Star Trek guy. Mm -hmm. But I always, I mean, it, it, to me, I always, in my head, it was like, man, this is like being in the UFO. Was yeah. my thing. Then you have Escape to Moon Base, Starship Omega, Gamma Station, Light Barriers, the Insidious Grid, oh. and Hyperspace. Then in Western World, you got New River Crossing, which we live near the New River. We ironically. do. Dead Is there Man. a bridge in this game? Yeah, no. Dead Man's Pass, Outlaw Alley, Lost Maverick Mine, Tombstone Jail, Dodge City Bank, and Death Valley. And then Fantasy World, these are your fantasy ones, Boat. Castle Greymore, Chaos Caverns, Black Dungeon, Forgotten Ruins, Underworld Arena, Mystic Maze, and Halls of Doom. Mm. Halls of Doom. Yeah. Now, those sound great. Now, here's I'm going to bum it down a little. Most of these different worlds, you're, you're not going to go in and be like, oh, this is the Halls of Doom. You're going to be like, oh, we're in Western land or whatever. <laughs> but the fact, you know, when you name something, you own it. Yeah. Okay. Is that so the, when, you, when, you, when you put a name on these things, it doesn't matter that it looks like everything else. You can, in your mind, it sets your mind going. That's the problem I have with Gauntlet. Gauntlet, it's just like, it's it's just the same crap over and over and over again. There's no variation. Well, the mazes all change. Well, yeah, but I don't care about that. What I care about is put me in a world. You know, put me in a real world where there's where there's stuff where there's named stuff. Yeah, and that's what this game does. One thing it also does is it will it, it will sort of tell you if you've been in a place before. It kind of keeps track of how many times you've been there, which is good. Uh, of course, you still have to kind of keep track of it's. You're never going to memorize where each of these levels are. You're pretty much boned. But uh, it's still. Uh, it makes it here's hey we've talked this before on on our shows is that this game gives you the feeling of like uh, this immense world with mm -hmm. a lot of freedom mm -hmm. the fact that the guy had enough that, that the guys had enough forethought to put together a game where you could literally go anywhere you want nothing's closed off to you so you don't have to go through the whole game to experience some of the later levels you can right. go to all of them you know I, did you find that certain doors had a, were at higher more difficult? Well, I'll tell you this. This is a very frantic game. You're never really allowed much opportunity for reflection. You're constantly being hounded by enemies looking for keys and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I, you know, I died fairly often, but I, I always kept coming back because I always felt like, you know, I'm going to see something new this time. Yeah. And I'm sure if I played it enough, I would start to sort of repeat things and stuff. But it seems like every time that I played it, I went a different route. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's just, you know, me or if, if, if the game is, is designed to be played that way. But I mean, obviously there are more sections that require multiple keys to get into and stuff yeah. like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I had a different fun experience every time I played this. The difficulty is pretty well done on this. Uh, I like the sound on it. Mm -hmm. I like it has a good sound. You know, it's funny. I was, when I was doing some research on this, they, I found some pictures of the, the TRS-80 Model 1 or 3 version of this, and it's it's very similar, except, you know, crummier graphics. Mm -hmm. This game is, and we've talked about this before. We had to try this. This game got ported over to, like, some of the 16 bits. And they were, it was met with a lot of praise. Really? Uh, if, you're, if you have one of these systems, you just give it a shot. The uh, ST and the Amiga version. So this is not like when Chucky e. Egg was ported to the 16 bits and it was universally painted. No. The, the, well, what you get on, I actually, I have tried the Amiga version. 
the uh, you on those you get 16 lands and 240 levels. There's oh a lot gosh. more going on there, uh, and so it's a real it's a real throwdown to try to get through those. Uh, and also you, you can have two players on that one, so that's pretty cool. So those were the those were on down the line. And I will say the 16 bits was Byte Magazine called it the best game ever. Wow, <laughs> high praise. And also, it's got a it's got a pretty cool cover. Now, I looked for a, a, like a straight like a Coco covered versus. I couldn't really find one. There was none on eBay. I have much like most Coco games. I've never seen hardly any of them like boxed or anything. I mean, it's it's, it's incredibly unusual to see them unless outside of Radio Shack and if and most of the Radio Shack games just had this sort of uh, see-through generic cover where you just saw like a, the, the cartridge. Mm-hmm. So the tape, I, I'm guessing most of the sales on this thing would have all been over overseas. Like I said, I've never, I've never seen it. Uh, I've never seen a, a Coco cassettes for sale anywhere as far as I remember. Like I don't remember seeing them at Radio Shack or thing. I'm sure maybe I saw some bagged, but I, I don't remember them. But I think this is a, a this was a perennial favorite of ours back in the day. We had a lot of fun with this one, and I think it aged pretty well. You have to get used to the fact that you're only shooting left and right. That, that you know that's you know do you think that that was a design decision, or do you think that was something that was a technical limitation? Design decision, but it makes it difficult. What I would like to see, you know, what would be ideal, Boat. If I could, if I'm booking this in my head. This would have been a great game for the two joystick setup, you know, one, Robotron style. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This would have worked perfectly with that setup. I think it would have made it too easy. It would have made. It I don't too know because this game I found to be pretty difficult. Well, yeah, but if you can fire in eight directions, you know, whenever you want, because I found a lot of the challenge just was like getting on the same horizontal plane as my enemy and then taking them out. Yeah. Now I will say I played this on the keyboard. Uh, the, as far as I know, this is an analog support game. You know, so I, I didn't. I, 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 my, I, I don't think I played this with the joystick at all. I played on exclusively on the keyboard. I didn't even try the joystick. Now I think about it. Uh, I played on. I played on the uh, on the on the keyboard, uh, as I recall. So there you go. Good game. Uh, I didn't see any review. I can't. I'm having a heck of a time finding Coco reviews anywhere. So I didn't see. Any have they not scanned the um the uh, the rainbow? Rainbow. They and have, stuff. but they're not like I can't find the. They're index. not indexed like Hall of Light is. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, Curtis is in the chat. He's a, he's the Mac Daddy of finding that stuff. But uh, uh, he uh, uh, but I have not personally seen any. Uh, very rarely. Sometimes if you go into a rainbow and actually look through the magazine to try to find it, you might. So um, hopefully we got some listener reviews on this. Did we get any? We did. Oh, Graham yeah. Vebke says. As a game I owned on the Atari ST, I was pleasantly surprised by the Coco version of this game. The game appears to maintain the 16 levels worlds I remember, and it just plays really well. This game, in my opinion, borrows from the Tutankhamen arcade game with <laughs> yeah. the key co- collecting, doors, dodging enemies, etc., and the gauntlet-like elements from the Atari program exchange version of Bandy. Graham gets it. He yeah. Graham's been around. But during this playthrough, it struck me that it also borrowed from Pac-Man, something I didn't notice previously. The graphics also impressed me with this version of the game, and the text adventure elements are fine, too. Overall, I really enjoyed revisiting this. Eight out of ten. I will mention something Graham said that I forgot to mention. Uh, this was, in fact, even the author, I believe, admitted that the Tutankhamen was part of the, of the... Have you ever played Tutankhamen? Ah, you know, I, that seems like... I think I get it confused with Montezuma's Revenge. You do, uh, yeah. but it, it's fun. It's a pretty good game. It's, mm-hmm. it's old, old-school arcade fun, but it was, it was a fun game, so, yeah. I should mention there. He mentioned Pac-Man. There, there are 
not only are there one way through doors in this, they're also, you go off the screen, come out the bottom doors, and mm. this too was like Pac-Man. And I'm guessing the treasure. It, you know, when you think about it, the mazes are sort of Pac-Man, like they're just much more colorful and cool looking. Right, yeah. right. I hadn't thought about that. Good um, job, Graham. Before we go on to our next game, Aaron, I wanted to give all of you, all of the listeners and you a an update on my Coco situation. All so, right. As you know, I'm a relative newcomer to the Coco, and you graciously gifted me one of your many Cocos from your own personal collection. I have two. Um, and uh, so I have been in touch with uh, Ed, the maker of the uh, many fine peripherals and extensions and uh, expansions for the, the Coco, and he is in the process of sending me an SD uh, card thing. What do you call that gimmick? The SDC, the Coco SDC The Coco SDC. It's awesome. And a composite uh, adapter so I can hook this thing up to the capture card. So before too long, I will be playing these games uh, on my streams on real hardware. If I you, can't wait. When you get that Coco SD card solution, you, we'll never see you again. <laughs> it's just like the Atari when it's super awesome. So if you can use joystick on it. It's, I mean, that thing is uh, the best. Mm -hmm. It literally changed how I play games on the Coco. I just love it. I love Love that. If I'd had that when I was a kid, I'd be done. I oh, love yeah. that thing. So that's the great thing about these new uh, leaps and modern technology interface with this old stuff. It's just the best. It's like having a multi-card on like a Nintendo or something. You say you have it all. It's right. great. I just love it. Right. All right, Aaron, let's move on to Thexter. Now, it's funny. I actually have this game. I wish I'd brought it up. This is one of the games that I got from that big load of stuff mm -hmm. that came from the Carolinas. Did it come in a big box? It like came that? in the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, the box has seen better days. But mm. it, it, and the cartridge is a little rough, but I do have it. So let's talk about Thexter. Now, this is another game. I don't think you'd play this one either, had you? No, I never played this. I played this one on a couple systems, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Because I went, I, one time I went through and tried some stuff out. Thexter... Uh, Released in 88 uh, on cartridge uh, on the Coco, which I believe the Coco was the only one of these systems that got a cartridge release. Uh, this came out on a, a ton of classic systems, but get this. Uh, of course, and here's something I, I don't know if I've ever played this. This came out on the Amiga. Another, it's funny, we, I didn't think the Coco had anything in common with the Amiga, and here's two well, games yeah. in a row, right? The Amiga, the Apple II, the Apple II GS, DOS, the FM7. I'm not sure what that is. Are you? Is it related to the Towns Mario? I don't know. The Mac, uh, MSX, which I played that version. The NES, so that one had to be cartridge-based. The PC-8000, the PC-88, the PC-98. There's PCs all over the place. <laughs> the Sharp MZ series, which I believe that's on the wheel right now oh on my ARG, gosh. so we might be checking that out. The Sharp X1, and of course, Coco. Now, what in God's name is Thexter Boat? You ever heard of Transformers? I have. Robots in Disguise? Yes. You know, did I ever tell you that when I was a kid, and really up until fairly recently, I thought that those words were robots in the skies. Wow. And I just thought about the ro they're just flying around up there. Because they could what all about fly. about the Autobots? They could all fly. Yeah. Now, the Coco version of Thexter, I should mention, you got to have the old Coco 3. Mm. you got to have the big dog. The big dog. For this one. Uh, I believe you had to have the 128K uh, mm. to, to get this cooking. So but yeah, that was the, that was your standard cooker. That's right. Yeah. So, what do you got here? Now, this is another one that uh, you had uh, like you had to plug in the old Black Beauties for. And the, the, I'll play this on keyboard too. I think this. I was thinking about this one earlier. I was I played Time Bandits on the joystick and this on the keyboard. So, this is straight from Japan. This game was a big seller back mm -hmm. in the day. That, right? they, I know on the box they, they put over 500,000 units <laughs> right. sold. So. And so uh, uh, 
the so of course you got to bring this thing to the car computer. Well, they wanted to from everything I read they had, they were planning to bring this to the car computer, but eventually it was settled on to put this on cartridge, okay, instead of on a disc. And so it's what you're getting here is basically a cut down version of what the consoles and and computers got. Uh, you're only getting five levels. You're getting no music at all. So on the flip side, it's on a cartridge, so you can go to work, and it looks pretty good. Now, in this game, you are Thexter, the the walking, talking robot, and we didn't talk, and you can transform into a, a very small, let's say, jet or yeah. spaceship. Yeah. Call the major. Did you ever Did you ever watch a show called uh, What was the name of this freaking show? I used to watch this show where there was a robot named Goldar. And Goldar and his buddies could all transform into planes or rockets. Mask? Space giant. Space giant. I think that's what it was called. And so I'm assuming that this is somewhere in that ballpark. The time, this was a show that was on the 70s, so maybe this was sort of partially inspired by that show, Goldar. Mm. I remember the kid on the show, that, there was a human-looking kid that turned into a rocket ship. I was wondering how that worked. And it was one of your classic rockets, too. It had a red stripe, and it was white. It looked real dorky, dorky rocket. <laughs> so anyway, it was the same colors. So in this game, you have an interesting firing. First of all, it's a side scroll. Help me out here. How would you define what this is? This is a side scrolling platformer slash shooter. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Thexter has this unique firing mechanism where basically when you're within the range of enemies, if you hold down the fire button or the space bar, he shoots this laser and it automatically goes after a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And it just goes it goes on and on and on until they're all dead or until you're dead. Right. right? And you are thexed down you're in this maze of corridors that some that you could go through as the robot and some that you have to be the, the spaceship to get through. And enemies come up and you try, and they just sort of randomly show up and or not randomly, they come out in certain times and you have to blow them away. I mean and that's a, a basically the long and short of it. You've got an energy bar and a shield bar, and you uh, uh, you can turn your shields on. And if you turn the shields on, the shield bar goes down, but your energy bar is okay. You can also max out the energy bar past 100%. If, when you kill certain uh, bad guys, it actually increases your health. Mm -hmm. So you can actually replenish your health uh, as you go through the game. Um, this game can overwhelm you very quickly if you don't. It's a very strategic game in terms of it's a strategic action shooter you have to be what you really and in fact the manual recommends that you map the all the levels i printed out the manual to look at and i thought that was funny that it want you to write down these and these levels are pretty immense aren't oh they, yeah they're huge so right out of the gate in fact i, I watched was the was your live playthrough this the first time you played it yeah and so give us your initial thoughts you know this is when i was when i visited japan um this the first time, I had an opportunity to play a lot of Famicom games that I'd never played before. Yeah. And this reminds me of your typical Famicom game from around 1983. Um, this, is, this is not a good game. Uh, this, is, this is a game that's poor in a number of ways. Um, Thexter, you're the, the eponymous Thexter, um, he is a, uh, you know, for any game where when you stop moving your character stops in mid stride you know that, that, that it's not good it's not good uh, the way that the enemies swarm around you and they're all drawn exactly the same way I mean it's not a bad game but for 1988 
the the world had moved on past this sort of game, and maybe maybe Coco people had not because for various reasons, but the world had moved on, and I had moved on by 1988, and this game. I know that it sold huge numbers on the PC because you know the platforms like the PC just had not reached kind of this is the wheelhouse. We talk about all the time on the Amigos about how certain games were suited towards, you know, the to the Amiga or even towards computer versus consoles. And if you were a console gamer by 1988, you know, there were so many more compelling games to play by this time. Now, judged on the merits of, you know, side-scrolling action games that we've played on the Coco, I still, I didn't have fun with this one. You know, I found that the enemies, the way that they just swarm up on you and they kill you immediately just wasn't very fun. I had trouble controlling how, you know, to, to turn to the jet because whenever you hit the ground, you, you transform back from the jet into Thexter. And a lot of times I didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay as the jet. I wish that they would have mapped the transform key to just one of the keys on the keyboard or something so I had more control over that. The levels were huge. They were hard to negotiate. I had no idea if I was in, in, you know, nearing the end of the first level after playing it for a while or if I was only a quarter of the way through. Um, there was no background music. Again, for 1988, now I know we're talking about the Coco, but for 1988, that's just inexcusable for a game like this. I want a pump and soundtrack. I'd say the music, if there was music, it got lost when they compressed this down. Right. They really had chucked this thing down to get it on a cart, right. from what I read. Right. So this one is is a miss from me. You know, I watched your playthrough. Of course, like I said, I played this when I was a kid, and I'll have to say, I, I was never a huge fan of this when I was younger. And I played it, the first time I played it this week, I was like, yeah, this is no good. I don't, I don't like it. But I, as I'm, the more I played it, and I remember it as a kid, I had the same experience. The more I played it, the more I got into it. And the reason is, there's two reasons. One, uh, the way Thexter shoot is, it shoots is pretty cool. It's, it's, it's novel. It's different, and it's, yeah. it lets you get up on ledges and stuff and shoot everything in front of you. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I learned, and, and it's funny, the documentation actually says this in its, its uh, hints. The last thing, the last tip it gives is don't shoot at everything. Avoid the creatures pr that provide no energy or are in max increases. Only eliminate the creatures that benefit Dexter. That's exactly right. Well, that may be true, but all the enemies will bear down on you with no mercy, regardless well, whether you shoot them or not. That's true with a but. And the but is you can avoid large chunks of enemies in this game by just flying over them or around them. Okay. Uh, and and but I mean a lot of it comes down to knowing the level. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for example, and I don't know how far into this, how many levels did you get into this? According to Curtis, I made it to level two. Okay. I got to level three, <laughs> okay? And one thing you have to do is you sort of have to know where big swarms are, and, and you have to know places to avoid them. This game is not that hard with one glaring exception, and you nailed it. It's the transformation of your jet to Thexter. It, this game is... What it needs is a button that you can hit that you're the jet, and then you're the jet until you hit the button again. That's you know, what it needs. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Right, please. Uh, what you need is, a, is that button, because the, you're right, hitting the ground, and, and the thing is, they've, there's a reason it doesn't have that, and it's because part of the play mechanics, part of the level design, is incorporates the fact that you're gonna screw up and turn into the Thexter's and robot fall form into and the fall lava, into lava, yeah. or fall to a swarm of bad guys. Yeah. There's nothing new. That's why they gave you the shield. 
liberal amounts of shield using is a must in this. And almost always I use it when I'm falling or when I'm getting somewhere where I know uh, that I know that I'm going to encounter a cluster of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Here's another thing. You know, every every background that I encountered was just blue. It was like blue Lego, you know. Uh, Time Bandit, if we want to compress these two games. You know, Time Bandit, the, the mechanics, you're moving around shooting stuff, it's the same. But varied enemies, number one. Varied backgrounds, number two. I'm not asking for much. Um, and, and, and Texture doesn't deliver any of that. It's Like I said, this, this would be a great console or computer game from say 83 85 that range but 88 boy it's hard to judge this even in the time that was released well this is your i mean i think this is certainly your thinking man's platform shooter you really have to you can't just go in guns blazing you have to really ponder your move and so i give it points for originality but the, 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 the question is does the world want or need a thinking man's platform shooter well listen have you played one like this ever well i think there's a reason why i haven't well I, I think i just think it was they tried something different and i think it partially succeeded here's what i would have liked to have seen them do on this if, of course on the coca you can't really do this but you can on the keyboard implement a second but transform button all right i mean they've got the shield on there it's the same thing have a transform button and eliminate the idiotic uh, pitfalls of turning the texture and falling. That's a cheap, that's a cheap uh, 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 developer maneuver. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, yeah, it works. I like it. Uh, so that would be the first thing. I like to see what they could have done with this with, with like a disc-based version where you got a lot more space to play with. I'd like to. I mean, I, I think the level design is pretty cool. You've got levels in there that you have to. Uh, Go through little like these little electric doors. You've got levels where oh, you yeah. can shoot through stuff. I, I have like no, that stuff. I have no problems with the level design. I think that the graphics surrounding the level design need well, need improvement. It's not. I looked at some of the other versions of this, and they're not a whole lot. Di- different. You're right because they came out in like '83, '84, '85. I think '85 is when this was originally released. Well, I mean, like I said, I I had a feeling you were going to be down on it, and I understand. I mean, your your criticisms are valid. Don't get me wrong, but. I think there's enough there. I think it's interesting enough to to give a, a good solid world. I think that if I had the chance and the time, that I could probably get through this in a week. I think, mm-hmm. unless the later levels get really hard. I didn't go watch a playthrough so I could go back and try it. Uh, but uh, and I will say, I, it, this is a game that I have to be in the right mood to play. If I'm in the mood just to go slaughter some stuff, this ain't it. This ain't that kind of game. This is a game where you have to slowly. It's a, really a slow platformer. It is. It is. You're and, right. You know, when you're not in jet form. But I think there's game to be made here. Now, some tandy things I hated that they that they just on the computer that stink. When you die in this game, you can you can start dying quick and you can be boned in a hurry. And then before you know it, you're back at the title screen. There's no game over or nothing. You're just back. That sucks. Mm-hmm. That's depressing. It too. is. It is. It, it's funny the immediacy with which you're just back at the title screen too. It's like you die and then boom, title screen again. Yeah. I uh, um, I like the idea of digging through the panels. I think that's cool. You know, but again, when you get to the point where you're doing that and you have to switch from the jet and the guy, it gets the jet and the guy transformation is the weakest part of this game by far. Mm-hmm. You get rid of that, and you have to agree. If you, sure. If you have a set button for that. Oh yeah. You might. Have I would something. have enjoyed it much more for sure. You know. This game was a, a, a 
a big a big a big player like you said in the other systems. Now, I want to talk about this briefly. This is not necessarily Coco related, you know. But after I got rid of the Coco, we had the Tandy One Thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Tandy 1000 had a unique uh, graphics mode that was specific to it. I was sort of like the, I think the PC Junior had a very similar, it's like a 16 color mode. Mm -hmm. And I remember playing this on the Tandy, and I, it's funny because when I was reading some literature on this, they pointed this out. The Tandy version had a really good version of this. It was a really a fetching version uh, that, I, that I remember playing. I think I played it probably more on the Tandy than it is on the Coco. But again, eh, it was okay. Um, it did sell for over 500,000 copies. And the uh, and the MSX version. Did you realize that the MSX is the best best selling platform in Brazil? I did not know I didn't, that. And according to this, and also in Eastern European countries, it was a big hit. The MSX, mm. which I think is kind of neat. I do love the MSX. I love the way it looks. It's um, a great looking machine. I did look this up on the eBay, uh, and you can get copies of this. Uh, you can get the cart, the bear cart, for ten bucks. And then, depending on the condition you want, you can range anywhere from thirty to fifty-five bucks for the box copy. The box is okay. It's pretty. It's got a cool like anime robot on the front, you know. So, this game. It's funny because this was a big deal when I was younger. Like Fixer, I'd heard about it a lot. And so, having a Cocoa version, you also got to remember. And you said this. I don't know if you're trying to be evil or just being true, but. You said, I don't know what Coco uses might have liked it. You're right. We would we did we were desperate for something. Well, cool. it, it was a different it was a different sort of time scale. You know, yeah. if you weren't aware of the other developments where where other places were in 1988. I mean, this is a good looking game when you compare it to you know some other things that came out for the Coco in 87, 86, 85. It was novel, yeah. and I think that's what was key to me. The the with the exception of the transformation, the fact that you could turn into a jet was mm -hmm. pretty cool for, sure. for a kid. You're like, oh man, this is a robot. From Japan, and he's a jet. Right, that's awesome. But the gameplay, it was okay. It could have been. It could have been a lot better. I give this a sort of a Luke. This is nowhere near Time Bandit's way better than mm -hmm. this. But this, if you get into it, there's fun to be had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get any uh, any any uh, listener feedback on this one? Oh, we did. We got one review from Graham W. Vebke. Uh, and uh, he says, I grew up playing this mostly on MS-DOS, and I'd say that the late ported Coco version plays somewhat better than that. The animation of the legs are a bit weird, although he notes the OS 9 version doesn't have this. But I feel the Coco version has smoother scrolling and is, more fair is a more fair game to play. This is a great little run-and-gun game as you have the ability to turn your robot into a flying ship to get through the maze area to your goal. Originally from the Japanese NEC PC-88 computer roots, not as the, not the MSX as some other YouTubers would have you believe. This is one of the few games that from that from that time to make it across the more popular Western computers, and I'm glad that it did. This is a solid port, although I can see a few small changes, like a smaller flying ship, no title or in-game music, and some enemies do have a different appearance. But it's easily more fun than the MS DOS version. Yeah, yeah, Most seven out of ten. Are, yeah. yeah, seven out of ten. See, for Graham, Graham. Graham is closer to me. Yeah, 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 sure, and I can understand that. Um, so, uh, if you are interested in posting a review for this show, uh, please join us on our Discord. Uh, if you support the show on Patreon, uh, you get access to our Discord community as well as uh, there's a whole bunch of other perks that you can get into. Uh, if you support us at, uh, at any level, you get access to the ad-free version of the show and uh, you get access to our Discord channel. The $4 level, you get an awesome uh, Coco Show supporter magnet at the end of the year. And we, we announce your name at the end of the show. 
and uh, at the $10 level, the Coco Game Selection Committee, you can actually uh, choose one game a month for us to play. And uh, Graham is, well, I think Graham chose Thexter, and um, Wing Chun Wolf chose um, Time Bandit. So Good great choices. choices, great choices. Um, thank you all for listening to The Coco Show. We appreciate it. Uh, please help us spread the word. The Coco Show, you know, we're, we're a new show. We're, we're going bi-monthly now, two shows a month uh, as it is. Uh, but we'd like to expand. Um, and uh, if you could help us spread the word, just tell, you know, if you're on a Coco community online, uh, share, share the link to either the audio version or the YouTube version. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we also want to thank uh, our Patreons, uh, our Patreon supporters, Jeff Landreth, Graham Vebke, Wing Chun Wolf, and Curtis Boyle. Thank you so much for supporting The Coco Show. Thank you. Uh, we also record the show live every week on Twitch. Uh, our uh, Twitch channel is Amigos Retro Gaming, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. You can hang out in the chat with all the fine folks uh, just like that are here now. Pixels at Dawn Gaming is here. Picard 2010 and Brother Bill. Breeza 1972 L. Curtis B. Um, SF Three, thank you guys so much for being here. Tin foil is here, uh, so thank you guys so much for hanging out in the chat with us. Next week, Aaron, yeah, we are going to play another game from a Coco Show uh, Game Selection Committee member uh, Curtis Boyle. We're going right. to play Phantom Slayer, yes, and then we're going to take a look at another clone, another homage, if uh -huh. you will, Donkey King. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Those are probably two different, vastly different games. Absolutely. So, uh, again, thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.